going, better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHH LP 103.5 that's on your home for community radio. Harry, good morning, and it's always good to hear your voice, Harry. And actually, Harry's our station manager for WNHH 103.5 FM. And quite frankly, uh, uh, my bias, my belief, and my conviction is that this station, WNHH 103.5, is one of the best in the nation. I say that with, with all uh, sense of humility, but also all sense of pride. So, so check us out, the other, the other uh, guests and the artists and the, the various co-hosts. And a shout out to Paul Bass. Uh, today is really kicking off on Friday, January 13th, um, 2023. It's an important show because I've heard, many of you know of my background here in the New Haven area. I came in 1971, but I've, um, I'm hearing more and more in conversation with folks, given either my blog or my radio shows or the recently elected uh, older, older person. This word depression, uh, just the, the, the mental challenges that folks are encountering. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that Adam, Adam and Eve encountered uh, issues of, 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 of uh, mental dispute. And as we know, in the Bible talks about some of brothers killing brothers. So perhaps it's part of the human condition that we are always looking for ways to kind of be, become healthier. Uh, but certainly in the last uh, contemporary last eight or nine years, I'm, I've been hearing more and more folks that's feeling the, the impact of could be society could be the impact that this is 2023 and why we've not solved some problems about getting 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 uh getting along and being better but without being more without digressing any further i've i've, I've asked uh uh Couture Bryant um, and dr alicia greer rogers to join me in chatting about this 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 uh word of depression whether it's a fashion whether it's in vogue or whether we even kind of uh, continue to to uh, stimulate this negative feeling by mentioning the word. Should we have another word? Language is very important in terms of how it impacts, impacts your, 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 your social being, your cognitive development, et cetera. So we have this word that's out here. Um, and how to, perhaps we need to kind of think of a way of, of substituting joy or passion or purpose in, in place of uh, feeling kind of low. But uh, I have some experts on the show, as I say, Couture, Brad, and Dr. Alicia Greer-Rogers to, to bail me out and, and to hear their, 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 their views about where, where do we go in, as society in general, but more specifically, what kind of tactical tools uh, could folks use and methodologies for us to just, um, you know, to take them in, to do to do to do to do to do to another person as you would like them to, to do to you. So, so Couture and uh, Dr. Rogers, good morning. How are, you, how are both of you doing? Peace and blessings. I am doing well. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing very well and blessed today. Good. So let's let, let's kick off in terms of uh, the, the courage that both of you ladies are demonstrating by going public on the Tom Ficklin Show for the next 55 minutes. Do you feel that you have something to share pertaining to understanding depression and alleviating depression? And again, I'm going to kind of revise the the, the title about a. Uh, how do we kind of more exercise our our, our joyful uh, our joyful motifs? So, Katora, uh, let me perhaps start with uh, why you've been take, why you've taken the courage to kind of come come before us and talk about your expertise and your 
your passion and your skill set, and then Dr. Greer perhaps follow along as well. Well, peace and blessings, um, family, um, the family of Greater New Haven and the universe. Um, uh, my name is Kator Bryant, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a registered nurse and an addiction specialist. So I've been working in the field of uh, recovery for a very, very long time, all of my career. So I've seen different levels of depression and what we call depression. Um, and there is a, you know, Dr. Greer go into perhaps a little bit more in, in depth, but you know, there are levels of depression. And I think that um, trying to recognize, you know, what are those things that are influencing people's lives that are, are making them feel sad or extremely sad um, or stuck in feeling mm -hmm. like they can't move forward in their life. Um, the ultimate stuckness in depression is what we call a catatonic depression, which means the individual is literally unable to speak or to move or to do any of those uh, things to take care of the activity of daily living. But I believe that, and it has been my work, that um, particularly, you know, in, in the communities of color, Black, Brown, and Indigenous people, people who have been colonized, that we have had generations of uh, trauma. And so therefore we've had multiple generations of depression. Mm. And we're, we've always known, or we, you know, me as a medical person, we've always known that when you hold on to that kind of energy, it does impact you physically. So when we talk about those stress, quote unquote, stress-related illnesses, and what is chronic stress? Chronic stress can produce feelings of sadness and, and, and feeling low. Um, we talk about uh, asthma. We talk about obesity. We talk about hypertension, um, connective tissue diseases. So our body, at some point in time, is going to say, you have to figure out how you're going to deal mm. with it. And mm. so that's really has been the work, has been to help people to really one, normalize their experience, their life experience, and to give them a voice to speak their truth about their experience, which is basically what Dr. Greer and I do on a daily basis when we are in clinical practice with individuals. We try to create a safe space for them to lend voice to their human experience. Excellent, excellent. Dr. Greer, let's hear your, your, your courageous statement about that kind of being a... Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, again, thank you for having me. I am Alicia Greer Rogers and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Um, yes, my roots are also in New Haven. Um, and uh, I also specialize in addiction. So I had the pleasure of um, having Katura supervise me a long, long time ago uh, when I was doing my internship and fellowship at Yale. Um, and uh, I, I thought it was important to come on this show today to talk about decreasing stigma as it relates to discussing all mental health issues, but depression in particular. Um, and uh, my clinical practice focuses on working with people of color 
And there are a lot of different issues, I think, that impact our experiences with depression and also our willingness to discuss it amongst ourselves and to seek care. And so any opportunity that I have to sort of spread the word about normalizing seeking care, normalizing self-care, normalizing community building and finding supports, then I, I always gravitate towards that. And also when Katora calls, I, I do it. So yes. <laughs> okay. so, so, so you're on her list also. Of, uh, I am on her list. Yes. <laughs> I see. I, I've been trying to get off the list for the last 20, 30 years. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I've been addicted for whatever reason to, uh, you know, sometimes there's good addictions and bad addictions, but uh, we're, you know, we'll hear today, tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, uh, MLK's words, voice, image uh, lifted up. And tell me, where, where, do we, where do we go from here? Both of you have been in the trenches in terms of making this a better place. But, but where do we go from here in 2023? Now, share a little bit about you know, how you see you're, you're investing your time and skill set and expertise in, in making this world a better place. So where, where are we going from here in terms of your perspective and your, and your particular um, path of healing. Katora? Well, I think, as I said earlier, we have to really have conversations about how we are feeling, how we are experiencing life, how we have experienced life. I think the most important thing to do for an individual is to validate their experience, mm. regardless of what it is, good, bad, indifferent, challenging or not, to validate their experience because at this point, it's, it's, you know, when you, some people don't want to hear about how you're feeling, right? right? Because they have, they have their own stuff they're not dealing with. And so we oftentimes will go to your first window is oftentimes your primary care physician. Problem with that has been for many, many years is that the way the healthcare system is, a lot of people do not access primary care. They use the emergency room. We haven't had, you know, we're still a struggling with a, a universal health care so mm -hmm. that people can have access longitudinally. You, you are not going to, it's really difficult for you to even think that you're going to go in and start talking about those things that are creating this sense of sadness, this sense of, of not wanting to be here. You'll go in and you'll say something else like, you know, I, I, I really have, you know, I don't understand why I've, I've been falling a lot, mm. right? Mm. Uh, or you'll come in and you'll mm. give something other than. And oftentimes, it, particularly if you're in a walking into an emergency room, they, they really don't have time for those kind of conversations. And if you're not going to see a physician over a long period of time that can get to know you, can you can begin to trust mm. that you can then begin to share what is going on in your life. And I've even experienced that as a healthcare professional, going to uh, my primary care physician and, you know, things are going on with me and they don't ask me, like, what else is going on in your life? They're like, what's your blood pressure looks good. This looks good. This looks good. And they're kind of whisking me out of the office before I have time to just kind of relax into it and then begin to talk about what is what else is going on in my life. So it doesn't just happen for people that are 
financially, economically, or insurance challenged. It happens to those of us that know, but trust is the primary factor. And we know that in healthcare, that's an issue. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. And it crosses the it crosses many barriers around how your 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 sense of gender identification, your sense of of me as a female, like you know things that are going on with me as a female, uh, me as a black female. So we have a number, and you know physicians aren't trained; they're trained to look at this little clock that they press and they say, okay, the insurance company is going to pay me for the next 20 minutes, right? So I got to get it in. And there's certain checklists that they have to do. So that's, you know, we have to begin to do a better job with that. And I think that once we begin to use the strengths in our communities mm-hmm. to, to address that, and I'll talk a little bit more about that um, later. Well, well, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to push you right now. And, but so Dr. Rogers, before I come to you, uh, share a little bit, um, and hopefully we can sprinkle th- for the next 45 minutes throughout discussion, the, the practical steps and the accessibility and your, your, the, both of your, your availabilities to uh, not just people for to hear this show, but how they can then take action. So, uh, Katori, tell us about Zola. You have behind you the Z, was it Z-O-L-A? Z-O-L-A. Something called Zola, whatever whatever that is. I mean, I'm sure it's something too short. It has a meaning for you. So. So, so I unpack that a little bit. Then, then Dr. Dr. Rogers, same question about your, uh, so, your, your practice and your accessibility. So, you know, I've been, quote unquote, retired from um, my full time, my, my day job, as they would say, and um, had a wonderful, wonderful teaching and learning and enriched career uh, with the state of Connecticut and Demas and Connecticut Mental Health Center, the Substance Abuse Treatment Unit. So I retired and um, even prior to retirement, this thing inside of me was like, you know, how, what happens after loss, right? Mm-hmm. Which see, which is really a primary mm-hmm. trigger for a lot of individuals is loss, loss of health, loss of home security, all those things. But we oftentimes when somebody says, you know, you're dealing with the loss, the very first thing that'll come to their mind is you've lost a person. Mm-hmm. So with the Zola experience, we talk about this. uh, It is a seven session wellness experience. It is peer, primarily a peer run uh, experience. Uh, You do training in it, but basically the essence of it is, is to, to identify what we call your lost love objects. And your loss of objects can be a myriad of things because we have multiple losses. It can be your health. It can be security. It can be relationships. It can be a number mm-hmm. of things. And so this seven session wellness experience um, is helps you to lend voice to your experiences. And you it, it begins to build a community or a cohort of support from the very first session through the seventh session. Um, And we'll be rolling some things out about that in the community in the very near future. So that's what the Zoli experience is. And and we're using it in other parts of the country and the world. And people are saying that it is impactful. And we piloted it actually in New Haven in 2012 for about five years. 
Many people experience Zola. We had a contract with the Howard Cahill Funeral Home Services. And initially it was focusing on those individuals that had lost a person. <laughs> and I went through my own Zola experience with my own losses, et cetera. And in 2020, you know, God said, you know, it's time for you to do this, but you got to yeah. do it differently. And the difference was to expand the definition of loss. So mm. you can humanize loss. Mm -hmm. So then once you humanize it, then you can humanize the interventions and it'll it'll impact the stigma of going to seek help. So it really can be an entry level point for that. That and, you know, we do other things like acupuncture. Ear acupuncture, that is something that we can teach very quickly as well. And it, it can be part of what I want to call our community mental health first aid kit. So mm, mm, acupuncture, mm. yoga, deep breathing, mindfulness, all of those things you can do in your home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and Dr. Dr. Rogers, please let's piggyback on that because you guys are a dynamic duo. Yes, yes. So uh, I'll, I'll follow in Keturah's footsteps and just uh, reiterate that my career started also at CMHC, um, at the Substance Abuse Treatment, Treatment Unit, and at West Haven Mental Health. And then I spent many years working at Cornell Scott Hill Health Center. Big ups to uh, that awesome uh, agency and um, teaching as well. So teaching psychology at Southern, at UNH, at Charter Oak. Um, I am a clinical faculty member at the Yale School of Medicine, still in the division of addictions where I trained. And um, my, my perspective on doing this work is always sort of doing clinical, but also teaching. What spaces can I go into to talk about topics to, to teach others? Um, in the past couple of years, I've added a little something to my plate, and that has been being a DEI professional, which really sort of sprang out of always doing clinical work in spaces that focused on treating historically underserved populations. The diversity, equity, and inclusion? Just sort yes, of yes, yes, diversity. So I um, have a certification in diversity and inclusion. Um, I spent the past few years doing some of that work at uh, Cheshire Academy, where I'm also the consulting psychologist. Um, and allowing myself to sort of blend those two things together has been amazing. So again, my clinical work focuses on underserved populations. That includes people of color. That includes members of the LGBTQ plus community. And that includes focusing on women's mental health as well. And that covers a broad range of issues. Um, to your question though, Tom, what do I think 2023 should focus on? I think it should focus on seeing each person as an individual, because that is how you validate everyone's experience, right? So really simply, I often talk about dismantling the monolith of Blackness. Yeah. So we might be Black, but that doesn't mean we have the same experience, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could be I could be black and Caribbean. Keturah could be black and something else. Um, you are a black man. We are black women, and so really respecting our intersectionalities and the different things that each person is bringing to the table. All of those experiences, um, getting to understand those and helping people be really seen and really heard. Um, so that's a big push for me at all times, and I think we need more of that in healthcare. 
after that, I also really think it's important to help people understand that depression isn't perhaps as this scary thing that they think about, right? Because that's one of the barriers of talking about it when you're with your primary care doctor is I don't want them to think X about me. Um, and, and the reality is that there's a whole range of different presentations for depression and you can have mild depression all the way to the more severe depression that you heard Katora mention where you are catatonic. Um, and, and so, you know, just having the, the dialogue being okay with talking about how you're feeling then allows people to, you know, let's talk a little bit more. Let's, let's make sure we're putting it out there, how we're actually feeling and not worry about the fear that mm -hmm. comes with that, I think that's really critical. This, I, I'm going to ask you toward the end of the show also to kind of provide this information, but jump in now and a little commercial about how folks can reach you and contact you, because although I believe that people are listening to the, each of the 55-minute shows diligently, but sometimes folks have to get up and go this and, and only have 10 minutes. So, uh, so, how, so Couture, how can folks, if, they, if, they, if you said something that I, I'm not, and I'm sure that you have, that has enticed and uh, stimulated folks. How can they reach out to you, find out more about Zola, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. Well, first of all, you can go to the to my Facebook page, Katora Bryant. You can reach me via uh, email at Katora Bryant at thezolaexperience.org. Um, so those are the two primary avenues that you can um, reach out to me on Messenger, as well. Excellent. Dr. Rogers? Yes. So my contact info is a little bit more complicated. I am listed <laughs> on Psychology Today. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me to schedule, I am also listed on Therapy for Black Girls. As you heard me mentioned, you can reach me that way. Um, yes, you can also email me to ask about scheduling. So my email is agreer, A-G-R-I-E-R, that road to wellness. That's the name of my practice at oh. gmail.com. Excellent. The, the road, the road to wellness. I like that. Yes. And, and Dr. Dr. Roger just mentioned when you mentioned psych, psychology today, literally you just plug in psychology today on your web browser and, yes. what, what, and what pops up. Uh, when you plug in psychology today, I think the first thing they ask you for is a location or your zip code. So if you're putting in, uh, let's say, 06511, um, you will see the providers in that area and you scroll through and you will be able to see me um, because I'm local. So, yeah. Excellent, um, excellent. And there excellent. are photos. So you can sort of pick somebody that, you know, you think, oh, they have this, you know, kind face or, or they look like <laughs> yeah. me. Those yeah. things. Mm -hmm. Talk talk about the 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 the, uh, the the look like be factor and the transference factor and the the comfort level factor. Because in spite of us knowing that we need more therapists, we need more teachers, black teachers, et cetera, et cetera. Demographically, that's going to still be a challenge for a while. Correct. Uh, so, so what's what's your theory about that or your prognosis? Well, I mean, you know, the research says that you don't necessarily need someone who looks like you in order to benefit from therapy. But that being said, I think especially, you know, in the past couple of years with George Floyd, with Breonna Taylor, and with all the things that have been going on in our world, the people that I've spoken to have said, listen, 
I know I can get a qualified provider anywhere, but I want somebody who understands my experience Mm. and I don't have to constantly explain that. Um, Now, that being said, I do think that there are therapists who are culturally competent, um, who, who really are committed to that. But yeah, it's just a bit easier when you don't have to explain something like your daily experience with bias and discrimination, mm-hmm. right? And you, the person you're talking to gets that. Um, really great example, Katura was mentioning primary care. And we all know the reality is there are healthcare disparities. There, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to be heard when you go to a primary care doctor because they're very busy um, and because maybe, you know, all of those different intersectionalities aren't understood or you don't have time to talk about how those impact your daily life. So, um, so yeah, I think that it, it is great when you can find somebody who kind of gets it or at least says in their in their bio that yeah. they get it yeah. <laughs> and they work with clients from those backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And, and Katura, any thoughts in that regard as well? Well, I think people need to understand that you can vet or you can interview your healthcare professionals. You do not have to just accept whoever you they send to you. You can ask questions. And I suggest have been saying, you know, in nursing, we suggest that you write down your concerns about your own physical health. You write down any questions that you may have about that uh, that clinician. I mean, I think that, you know, my practice has always been to put those questions out there, regardless of who you are sitting in front of me, I would say to you, how do you feel about, um, have you had any thoughts or feelings about having a female clinician? Do you have any thoughts or feelings about having a female clinician of color? What are your thoughts about that? Um, oftentimes, you know, people are looking at me like, why are you asking that question? Nobody's ever asked me that question before. But in, in me training clinicians, as Alicia will say, I would it can encourage them to do those things. That, mm-hmm. that really kind of opens you up. It opens up some discussion. And they may not have too much to say. A lot of times they'll say, well, you know, it's it's all, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. But I did have um a woman of color that said, I'm not okay with this. And so then we went into a discussion and she would come to my office week after week and say absolutely nothing. She wouldn't say anything. And I would sit there and I would be present with her. And then she began to talk. And now we're, we, we still are like peripherally still in touch. And this has been, oh my God, a good 10, 15 years ago. But, you know, it's just, you know, it's up to the clinician to try to figure out different creative ways in order to connect. We used acupuncture, the ear acupuncture, which is an adjunct to treatment. Mm -hmm. And basically what it does, it just relaxes an individual. It calms the systems down. Whether I'm sitting in a room with a family, I will put magnets in ears or needles in some of those ears. We sit there for about 20 minutes. And let the system calm down because that's all people need to do first is to relax, mm-hmm. breathe, because mm-hmm. you're coming in defensive because you don't think this person's going to hear you, going to understand you. But if you can relax and everybody in the room can just take a breath and then start that conversation. And that's really important. That That's that joining thing that um, particularly is important for Indigenous and Black and Brown folk. 
we need to know that you can hear me. So I need mm -hmm. to understand that if last week you said that your big mama was in the hospital, I better ask you about big mama as soon as you sit down. Mm -hmm. now, how's big mama this week? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have about th 30 minutes of the ladies. Let's uh, go where the spirit moves us. Uh, a ton of questions come to come to my mind, but does anything pop out in your your your, your vision quest as we kind of commune this this morning? Well, I mean, I would say that you cannot you always have to think about the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual impact of bias, discrimination, racism. And I have, like say, I said, say, say say that to me in a barbershop or a beauty shop language. Okay. Racism can impact you emotionally, physical, physically, and spiritually. And Do you mean never, white, white, white behavior, black behavior? This term racism is used so colloquially, it, I think it goes in people's ear. Yeah. So I would say the daily experience of being discriminated against, mm -hmm. of assumptions being made about you. And yes, that could apply to, to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but for us as people of color, um, some of the things I've talked about in the past couple of years in particular, again, using uh, 2020 as sort of a bookmark, the daily experience of, am I going to be pulled over for something? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be stopped in a store? Am I going to be, I don't know, um, singled out at work? Mm -hmm. Do I feel like I'm being treated differently in certain spaces? Um, I will expand that to include, you know, not just people of color, but people from other communities, um, women. Am I being treated differently at work because I am a woman? Mm -hmm. Also people from the LGBTQ community and more and more also people who are older. Right. So ageism is also very yeah. real in the workplace. So thinking about all of those different ways in which I am othered in the world and how does that impact me emotionally, physically and spiritually? So, so girding gir your loins and putting on your armor is certainly I mean, we can use those metaphors, but but let's drill down a little further, uh, Dr. Greer, in terms of what you, sure. Dr. Rogers, in terms of what you just said. Yeah. So um, I think people don't think about until they have to, how much it wears you down, hmm. how much those things wear you down, how sick and tired one becomes of constantly having to, I don't know, have the talk with our children, right? Why do I have to have the talk with my children about how to conduct themselves should they end up in a situation out in the world? Um, I don't know, Katura, I'm sure you have a, a bunch of ideas about what okay. I'm saying, too. Let's, let's lean, on, lean on your dynamic dual sister. Yes. Absolutely. Um, just when, when, you know, Dr. Greer just, you know, just briefly talked about the um, pressures that we oftentimes experience, even in our workspace, mm -hmm. regardless of uh, what level that you are at, mm -hmm. you know, you know especially if you are reaching a situation where you're in management, it's like yeah. that whole imposter syndrome. It's like, you know, you keep getting these coded messages um, around, am I good enough? Um, you know, I gotta go, I gotta go the extra, extra mile. Burnout is a real thing. Mm -hmm. 
it one, mm. you know, at all levels, but especially when you start to move up into these uh, managerial mess uh, uh, levels, it is a real thing. I, you know, <laughs> when you are told that I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday, and they worked in um, one of the systems, mm -hmm. and they talked about, you know, how they, you know, as soon as they could retire, they retired. And when they retired, the system hired two people to do their job. Mm -hmm two people to do the job that this person was doing for 20 something years alone. And that is a common thing. And, you know, you keep saying, I, you know, do I ask for help? If I ask for help, then maybe they'll think that I'm not competent enough to do this job, even though they know, and you know, and it's that those systemic and structural things that, you know, aren't so tangible. They aren't as tangible as somebody uh, standing in front of you and calling you out your name. Mm -hmm. Not as tangible as somebody, you know, putting their, their knee on your neck. But it's those insidious things that wear your body down day in, day out. So we, and then it manifests in, you know, you got all this connective tissue diseases, lupus and psoriasis and sarcoidosis, okay, cancer. You got those kind of things that your body is telling you, look, this, whatever it is that you're doing in your life, it is wearing you down. So what, when you get ill, what is the first thing that your body does? It rests. It takes you out of the fray, right? You mm -hmm. have to rest. Mm -hmm. They tell you if you have some connective tissue disease or cancer or some chronic thing, what do they recommend? Meditation. They recommend that you start to do more self-care. And self-care does not necessarily mean, I mean, people tell, oh yeah, you need to do self-care. No, self-care is like, you might have to remove some toxic people out of your life. Amen. That mm. is self-care. Mm. You might have to change your diet. That is self-care. So when your family is gathering, they may want to, you you know, they, they used to call me the granola family, right? <laughs> they were like, I don't eat this. We don't eat that. We don't eat that. And so what do I do? When I, even now, when I go places and they say, you know, bring a dish, I bring whatever it is that I want to eat. Salad. Salad. <laughs> right, right? So I think that we have to, you know, recognize that those things are, are happening, like the hypervigilance that we have to have with our children. I remember when my sons, especially my sons, started to drive, we had a station wagon and we had a sedan. They could not drive the sedan. My sons always had to take the station wagon because that, that wasn't anything that looked like a family car and they were, mm -hmm. they were tall and big. So they probably thought they were parents, right? So those kind of things that we have to process every day, when our children leave the house, you say a prayer, God, please bring them back. Because it can just be a matter of them looking the wrong way. And, and, and they become a victim. They yeah. now become a statistic. Um, and so we really have to put our children in places that are nurturing. That are, and, and you have to be, you know, we call it a helicopter mom. I just call it a present parent. I don't care if you're in public school, private school whatever school that you are in, we know that the majority of those educators do not look like you 
and may not have your best interests at heart from preschool through college. My children went to HBCUs. Why? They had no desire to, 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 to be in school in a majority school. The, the experience was night and day. I went to UConn. The message was, take a look around. Two of you, two out of three of you, literally left it. Two out of the three of you aren't going to graduate. Like, how are you going to tell me that? Because I know it couldn't be me because, you know, I, I knew who, what, who was waiting for me at home. My children go to HBCUs. They say, look to the left, look to the right. We're going to make every effort to make sure that you graduate together. That produces community. That produces a, a sense of support because I'm going to now support the person to the left and to the right so that we can all graduate together. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different mindset when you're in different institutions. And so we really have to make sure that those, those children that are at other institutions that perhaps aren't as supportive, that we are present for them, yeah. that they know that we are a resource. And I, and I want to just uh, piggyback off of that a little bit and talk about children and adolescents mm -hmm. um, and, and the explosion of mental health needs in, in younger people in the, in the past couple of years. And specifically mm -hmm. when we are talking about, uh, again, bias, discrimination, and, and the things that our children have had to see and hear. Mm -hmm. Right. And that we've had to somehow explain, yes, what you're seeing on TV, unfortunately, that is real. What you are hearing, that is real. And the amount of um, work it has taken for us parents to help our children navigate this new normal, this reality. Well, some of it's not new, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this reality that we've all gone through in the past couple of years has been very, very hard. And I would say that it's been hard for all children, um, but I do think that for children in our community, it has sort of underscored the fact that maybe I'm not safe, right? Mm -hmm. So Couture is talking about the anxiety we have as parents trying to keep our kids safe, but I would say equally, more and more children in our community are like, oh, I might not be safe. That could be me mm -hmm. out there. That could be me, you know, in the street, that could be me in, in so many different situations. Um, and so I think that um, any work we can do around helping parents cope with what your kids are going through in a positive way is always very helpful. Let, let's go ahead, Katori, please. And I think we need to just touch a little bit on how people cope with these experiences mm -hmm. we you know to really give um, space for healthy coping like I say children learn what they live but as adults we live what we've learned so if you've learned that alcohol drugs sex workaholism is the way to get through life that's how you're going to function as an adult initially until it doesn't work for you mm -hmm. anymore so we have to 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 give permission, and we have to carve out those spaces, especially in, in urban centers. I can't say enough how wonderful it is to be able to walk down the Farmington Canal. It is like I'm in the country, and you got trees, and you got all of, you know, you got solitude, you got trees. 
That's why I like to, to go to the golf course because it's it's quiet and there's there's nature. But we have so many things that are just natural. We've been blessed in this community. You can go to Sleeping Giant. You can go to the beach. You can walk the Farmington Canal. You can walk downtown or do circles around the green. There are things that you can do that not only are good for exercise to move your body, but they're also, you know, nature gives us energy. And we need to use those natural spaces. Find a place in your house. I don't care if it's a corner of your room that you can designate as your sacred space for you to sit in this wonderful thing called being still. Sit and be still. People struggle with that. The idea of being still, are you kidding me? I got to have a mute. I got to have a radio, uh, I got to be doing a video game. No, sit and be still and listen to your body. Listen to your breathing. Listen to your heart. Let that be part of your meditation. And you don't have to do it for a whole long time. Five to 10 minutes and your body responds. The beauty of, of, of you know, finding a, a practitioner that knows how to do acupuncture the ear acupuncture, you learn it yourself. I can give you a strip of magnets. You don't need any training for magnets. There's no certification for it. It's totally there for your for your use. To place magnets in your ears, your kids' ears, to help you calm down. And then what? That you can get a box of a hundred of them things for less than five dollars. So we have to to begin to rethink. How, what are those things that I can do to bring it down a notch or two in order for me to be present for my children, to be present at work? I mean, I learned that as a young mother, I had three children under the age of five and them little babies, they came home one day. I had one in my arm. I had one in kindergarten. I had one that was in preschool and they were, you know, I, I picked them up from daycare and was like, go, 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 go. And they just started crying and caring. And I looked at their little faces. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? And so from that day on, I would bring them home and we would have 15 minutes of quiet time. No TV, no nothing. They could lay in the bed with me. They could do whatever. But we were having 15 minutes of quiet time. Mm -hmm. And it made a world of difference. And it's those little nuggets that we can share in a group experience or share in, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a therapy experience, but like the Zola experience will create mm -hmm. that kind of, of, a, of a community that, excuse me, that says, what is working for you? What has worked for you? And I might hear something that Dr. Greer may have tried that I hadn't tried. You know, don't try that. Mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. doesn't cost money. Right, right. Uh, to, again, extend off of what Katora is saying, the little bit of time that I create with my daughter is going for walks with the dog. We have to walk the dog anyway, but instead of, you know, let's let's use that as a time for her and I to reconnect, to talk about our day. Um, we also make a habit of talking about our day as we're coming home from school. Um, she is very vocal about asking for more time with me. And so I try to create those blocks. We watched a movie last night. Um, 
anywhere that you can do that to reconnect with not just your children, but the people in your life. And I think some of what I've been seeing in the past couple of years because of the the situations that we've all gone through is either continued isolation, right? So we isolated because we had to, but now some of us forgot how to get back out there. Mm. We need to work on that. Um, And also some of us might have forgotten that we need to be out there and isolating for long periods of time is not healthy for us. And Couture is right. Getting outside is is one really great way to, um, to reverse that. Also, I think more of us need to get off of our devices I I talk a lot about doom scrolling on your device, reading all the negative news in the whole world on your device is very, very toxic. Mm. I can guarantee you, you don't need to be doing that all day because it's going to be there whether you look at it now or later. So you can take some breaks, Mm -hmm. you can set some boundaries with your device um, so that your mind isn't flooded with all of this information all the time. And to Katura's point, this is part of having some silence um, occasionally. Another thing that I want to make sure I, I talk about is revenge procrastination, um, which is staying up late because you think you deserve time to yourself, which we all do, but don't take away from your sleep to do mm. that. That doesn't, that's that's not gonna help you. We need our sleep. We don't get enough. You heard Katura talking about the different uh, diseases that are impacted by stress. I'm going to keep it even more simple. Diabetes, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol are very, very much impacted by our stress levels and our lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. are you getting enough sleep? Can you do a little more to go to bed 15, 20 minutes earlier? Your device will still be there in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. (laughs) I just want to uh, state really clearly, there are some individuals that do need um, the support of of pharmaceuticals that may need to have the support of medication. And we don't want that to be a stigma stigma either. Mm -hmm. Some of us that do and, you know, go to a licensed professional psychiatrist um, and get that assessment that you may need to, um, to do that. And I, you know, both of us work with individuals that are prescribers um, and we refer. It's like, well, maybe this, you know, I may have assessed you, but it may be that, you know, you might need a little bit of help. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have to take this medication forever on men. And for some, you may need to take the medication. It's just like, you need to normalize that like you do. Like I have to, I have a thyroid thing. So I take Synthroid every day, right? So, but if I had a thing that I needed to take a medication every day so that I could have mental stability and a sense of peace, and I would, then that's what you do. That's what you do. So I think that we have to, as a community, we have to, like I say, we have to normalize our human experience. Mm-hmm. If your human experience is that, look, you know, my um, generational traumas and all the stuff that I've been through, I'm the one that's carrying it and I'm, I'm, I, I have these chemical changes that have been going on. I need that kind of help. Go get it. Please go get it so that you can be present, so that you can do the things that you choose to do, want to do, need to do. Yep. 
and I'll, I'll put it out there again. We, we have said the names of the agencies. I'll throw them out there again. CMHC and Cornell Scott cover all of New Haven. So, you know, the help is there. But if you do not want to go to one of those two places, um, there's also Clifford Beers, right? There's also, you can go online to Psychology Today. You can call Yale. They'll direct you. Um, the, the, the resources are there. We just have to not be afraid to seek them. And, and ladies, we have about four or five more minutes. So as the spirit moves you in terms of something we may not have discussed or something that might have just emerged in your in your mind, I'd like to hear a little bit, little bit more, um, Doctor Doctor Rogers. You mentioned your involvement with with Cheshire Cheshire Academy, mm -hmm. um, and we had this advent of diversity, include equity and inclusion, uh, the the movement, if you will. <laughs> is is there what's your prognosis about the the, the uh, continued effort to educate others to treat uh, others? That, that it is a ongoing everyday process and that um, the way to make it work is to just think of it as this is how I understand the people that I work with, the people that I may treat. I need to also take the initiative to go out there and get that information, right? And so it isn't waiting for somebody like your, your DEI officer, for example, to, to give you the training, it is taking the initiative to go out there and get the information so that you um, can understand people better and not make assumptions about others. It is also asking questions. It is being really honest. Like, I, you know what? I don't know much about that culture. Can you tell me a little bit more so I can understand it? It's being honest about your own, your own uh, we'll say, blind spots. Um, and, and that is how you create connections with people and a start to creating safer spaces is admitting that you don't know. I think for... For me, it's also understanding that, you know, it's now DEI, but, you know, having been around for a minute, it's it's had a number of uh, iterations <laughs> up until now, but it is an inside job. Mm -hmm. This is an inside job. If you have not taken the time to look at your own biases, what, what messages did you get from your family of origin about people that were different from you? Because that's what you're carrying into the room. What did they say about how do you treat people from, with different orientations or, or, or melanin in their skin? And the reality of this digital world that we're in and the fact that, you know, you can have teletherapy now, you can treat people around the world. And, and, the, and three quarters of the people around the world look like me, look like the folks that are on this screen. So you need to do your work. When we talk about do your work, examine yourself. Go see somebody or, or, or get supervision with a therapist that, of color that, or that is of a different ethnic origin than you that has had a different life experience than you. Mm -hmm. Go and seek, those, seek that out if you're, if you're a therapist so that you can begin to look at your own stuff. Right. Your own biases. And where did those things come from? So you can begin your own healing process, right? So I know that my friend Denise Case is doing Mbutu. 
that is a storytelling um, mm-hmm. a platform that deals with diversity and helping you to look at, listen to other people's stories and then examining other people's stories. There is a lot of stuff that's out there. You know, the People's Institute uh, is another one that talks about anti-racism work. Mm-hmm. You've got to do your work before you sit in front of me. Don't sit in front of me. And like, like Dr. Greer said, and if you are going to sit in front of me, own your ignorance. Own it. Because I can get real dumb in a therapy session. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have seen this happen. Yes. <laughs> as, as, we, as we wind down, and I want to give everybody the, the le- chance for the last word. Uh, how, how folks can reach out to you. You certainly, I'm, I'm com- confident and com- comfortable that you've stimulated folks' desire to kind of connect. So, Petora, folks can reach you how again? Um, go on our website, uh, www.thezolaexperience.org, O-R-G. You can reach me at Couture Bryant at thezolaexperience.org. And also you can find me on social media under Couture Bryant. And Dr. Roger? Yes. So my website is in progress, but you can find me on Psychology Today. Um, you can also find me on Therapy for Black Girls, as well as you can shoot me an email. My email is agreer road to wellness at gmail.com. We have about uh, a minute, a minute each. And so Couture and Dr. Dr. Rogers, let, let's we start off with this phrase, understanding depression. We want to give you a chance to either explain that further or uh, rephrase it or uh, talk about the importance of why, we're, why 2023 should be a focused on that, on that paradigm. Couture? I think that we need to um, keep the, the word um, depression in its, um, that it is a, also a natural human experience after you've experienced something mm. that mm. has been traumatic to you. Mm. That if you don't feel sad, then I would think that your affect was a little off and then <laughs> to another, to another space, another diagnosis, right? So, you know, but it's important for you to be in tune to yeah your feelings and your thoughts when things happen to you, you know, and we have to stop giving our children silent messages, like, you know, especially our little boys, you know, Mm -hmm. know, stop crying. Well, I'm hurt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, we got it. We're going to get through it. We're going to be the strong. We're we're the strong black woman. We're going to do such and such and such. Stop it. Stop it. And allow yourself to validate what is going on. So you can go through it because we will file it intellectually back here, but emotionally is all over the place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and with that, I'll say, uh, as Katura mentioned, depression is a natural response to things that we go through. And we all just went through something together as a planet. Mm-hmm. And we all have a lot of stuff to process about that whether it's the financial impact, the, you know, not having a job, housing, all these things. There have been so many impacts to all of us globally as human beings in the past couple of years that a lot of us have something. A lot of us came out on the other side with something. Recognize that, process it. If you do not process it, I can assure you it'll come out in other ways. So, you know, do please seek help if, if, uh, and, and remember that help can really simply be, I just need somebody objective to talk to. 
don't think so much about, am I sick enough? Am I, I just need somebody who's not related to me, who doesn't really know me, who I can sit with and let it all out. Excellent. Excellent. Ladies, thank you deeply. Harry, that's a wrap. And again, the, the road, the road to wellness. Let, let's kind of tra yes. travel it, travel it safely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, thank ladies. You. Thank you. It's a blessing. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah.